This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. All right, tonight we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2, and this is an expository study. It's a verse by verse, and uh, we're going to pick up tonight where we uh, left off last Wednesday night. I want to begin reading with verse 13, even though we have covered most of it, and we went into verse number 14. But let's look at this together tonight, 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse number 13. The word says, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. And we're going to talk a little bit more tonight about how difficult that is. But it doesn't negate the word. It doesn't put us into a perspective where God winks on a situation, on a people, on a time period in human history and say, oh, 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 uh, but you know, um, I know things are different now. Uh, and where God just winks at us and says, you know, just do the best you can. That's not a biblical principle. In fact, the word is clear on this. God said, I am the Lord thy God, and I change not. And so no matter what generation, no day or age that we live in, God's not going to change. He's not going to change his mind on any of this book. And so when we read a scripture like this, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. That's a tall order for the day in which we live. To submit to every ordinance you have to look at these words that follow that bold statement. It says, for the Lord's sake. Whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. I want to re-emphasize something to you tonight in the study. And we talked a little bit about this last Wednesday night. And that is this, we have to remember the time that this was written. And we have to remember the adversity that it was written under. In Peter's time and when this uh, particular passage was written, really truly in his latter ministry, the person that was in charge, where Peter found himself accountable by law too, per se, we have to remember that the ruler was Nero. And I don't know how many of you know ancient history or anything about ancient rulers, but Nero was a tyrant and uh, he was brutal. And he, he hated Christians, he hated Christianity, he hated churches that were springing up in its infancy. And he was just brutish in everything he did. So if you can kind of wrap yourself around that just for a minute, that, that was the mentality of the day when Peter was moved by the Spirit of God to write these words. And I left you last Wednesday night with this truth and it's something that we cannot escape. When we read a passage of Scripture like this that says, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man, 
How far do we take that as a believer, as a Christian, as a born-again believer? Because for the Lord's sake, that means that we have a testimony to uphold. Everywhere we go, people are watching us. People are looking at us. If we have professed to know Christ as our Savior, listen, I promise you that somewhere along the line, if that's your testimony, if that's your profession, I mean, if that's the reputation that you have at work or in your neighborhood, that you are a believer, you go to church, you love God, you serve the Lord, if you have established all of that within the realms of where you work and live, then I promise you somebody's watching you every day. They're, they're watching how you respond to adversity. They're watching how you respond to things that happen within our country. From A to Z, somebody's watching you somewhere. And so I, I want to be clear with this because God hasn't called us to be... Uh, rioters and demonstrators and involving ourselves in guerrilla warfare and all these kind of things we see going on in the country today. That's, by the way, that's not of the Holy Spirit. I saw somebody the other day jump on the hood of a car and carjack this woman in broad daylight. People were walking up and down the sidewalk and just looked at it as if it was some type of entertainment on television. That kind of stuff is wrong. It's not of God. It's not of the Holy Spirit. It's not, not of God. Listen, if Jesus has called us to be salt and light, then we need to let our light shine for God's glory. And when we come to a passage of Scripture like this, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. We know that every ordinance of man is not good. We know that. We know that some hellish people have created laws for us to live under today. We know that. The truth of the matter is, we could probably stand here tonight and say, you could probably sit here tonight and say that 90% of stuff going on today you don't agree with. I can say it. I'm one of them. And so, you know, we, you can't fit a round peg in a square hole. You, and, and, and the Bible does say that as Christians, we are peculiar people. And the word says that we need to come out from the world, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. So it's not our calling, it's not our mission to fall in, blend in. And that's, that's not what God has called us to do. He's called us to be a light in a dark place that's controversial at times. But at no time are we to embarrass the Lord and suffer reproach for our own evil working or evil doings. If we suffer as Christian people, God will bless us. He will take care of us. But we, we have to make sure that we're not bringing this stuff on ourselves. And so here's the statement that I left you with last Wednesday night. So where do we draw the line here? And I'm going to, I'm going to make some bold statements to you in just a few minutes. And those of you that are watching, I hope that you listen very carefully. Don't let the dog bark and get tangled up with newspapers right now. And don't spill your coffee. Just hang with us for a few minutes. So listen to this. 
Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. And we need to do that as long as we do not have to abandon our faith. You cannot denounce your faith. You cannot recount your faith. You, you, you cannot compromise your faith as long as you are not asked to compromise your faith so, because that's the difference. Let me show you what I mean. For example, the three Hebrew children, they, they had a testimony to uphold. The eyes of their known world were looking at them, how they walked, how they talked, what they ate. Everything about them was put under a microscope, if you will. And you remember the king, King Nebuchadnezzar. He said this. He said, uh, okay, so I'm going to build an image of myself. And he said, and I'm going to put it in the plain of Dura. He said, I want it out in the middle of nowhere, Timbuktu, but I want it to be to where you all you can see is humanity in every which way you turn. And I'm going to erect this big, tall image of myself, and I want these people, when the music begins to play, I want them to all bow down and worship this image. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they knew that they had a responsibility to let the love of God shine forth in their life, but they only bowed to one God, not to idols, not to statues. And so here it was now, they were faced with civil disobedience because what they were asked to do was to abandon their faith now, if the king had said, I want you to dig a hole, they would have said, where? How deep? Do you want any more? Those kind of things, those boys would have cooperated with the king all day long. But that's not what was asked of them. They were asked to abandon their faith, to compromise their faith. And so you can, by the way, read of that in Daniel chapter 3. They didn't do it. And as a result, you know the consequence. The king commanded that they be thrown in the fiery furnace. Now, were they scared? I believe out of their mind. But they were not going to abandon their faith. In fact, they, and I'll paraphrase it for you a little bit. They said, you know what? If God, if this is the end of the line, if this is what God wants to do and he wants us to die right here, right now, we will die, but we will not bow to that image you know the outcome of the story after it was heated much hotter than it was supposed to be and probably capable of handling you remember what the king said in the end he said wait a minute then we throw three in there and but i see a fourth man walking around he looks like the son of god now, I will tell you, Daniel got himself into some trouble as well. When he refused to obey the law of King Darius, you remember the degree that was put out? They said, nobody is to pray to God, no one. And you can find that in Daniel 6. The king put out a publication, nobody is to pray to God, nobody. And so Daniel, he refused 
to obey that. In fact, the Bible says that he stood in front of the window and he began to pray three times morning, noon, and night. There's another interesting story to this kind of thing that we're talking about. And because the last two that I've just given you, I think are very familiar. And you, you know the story pretty much about those two events, the three Hebrew children and the story of Daniel. But there's probably one instance in the scripture that you're not familiar with. And I want to recall this to you tonight. I want you to take your Bibles just for a few minutes and go back with me to the book of First Samuel. And I want you to see this because most of you tonight know the friction that was going on between Saul and David at one point. And King Saul had given a strict command to his bodyguard to do something that was not acceptable to God. Now, you think about this. When Samuel anointed Saul as the first king of Israel, it was reluctancy because it wasn't God's will for Israel to have a king at that time. And, it keep, and the people kept pressing him and pressing him. We want to be like all the other countries. We want to be like all the other kingdoms. We want a king. And it wasn't God's will. But finally, the people had pressed Samuel so hard and so long and so far that Samuel said, so be it. Which leads me to say this. You know, we better be careful what we pray for, what we ask, because God just may do it to teach us a lesson. But I want you to see this because this is, this is unfamiliar, I think, to most of you in the context of well, how we're bringing it out tonight. But King Saul's bodyguard, Saul now, he was, he was the king. He was giving a command. It, it was an ordinance, if you will, like we're talking about in First Peter. And Saul's instruction was... He said, I want you to massacre all of the priests of the Lord. I read something like that. I cannot even believe that he spoke the words because in the beginning he was anointed. And if you remember, when David was running from Saul and Saul had basically trapped him in this place called En Gedi. In the middle of the night when Saul was sleeping, you remember what David and some of his men did? They snuck down through the crannies of the cave and got to where Saul was sleeping. And they took his spear and David began to cut a piece of the, the garment that Saul was wearing off. And Abishai, he was going to take the dagger and he was going to kill him, David. And you remember what David said? This is classic. David said, wait a minute, don't do that because he is God's anointed. Which tells me this, you just don't mess with God's man. You, and and if, there is, if there is a dealing that needs to happen, if there's something that needs to be made right or there's something that God needs to do, we need to let God do it. 
David made it clear, wait a minute, he's, he's God's anointed. Don't do that. You know the outcome of that story. David in the morning when the sun came up, he dangles that little piece of garment in Saul's face and said, I could have killed you, but I didn't. And then Saul began to melt like butter and made the apology to David. He said, I will not pursue you anymore. But I want you to see this. Saul had got himself into such disarray that he said to his bodyguard, he said, I want you to kill all of the Lord's priests. And in civil disobedience, the bodyguard said, I'm not doing that, Saul. Now, remember what we just read in Peter, that we need to obey every ordinance of man, all of authority that's over us, we need to obey. And we do. We may not agree with it, but as long as it doesn't require us to abandon our faith, then we do. But when, when the intrusion on our faith sets in, that's another day and another story. Look at this. In 1 Samuel chapter 22, I want you to see this in verse number 17. And, and the king said unto the footman that stood about him, Turn and slay the priest of the Lord, because their hand is also with David. And because they knew when he fled that he should not show it to me, but the servants of the king would not put forth their hand and fall upon the priest of the Lord. And so there were a couple of evil kings in this story. And I want you to understand that when the degree went out to kill the Lord's priest, there was civil disobedience. They said, we're not doing that. Now, I want to show you another story, and perhaps you're a little bit more familiar with this one. Turn with me quickly. In the book of Acts, chapter 4, and verse number 19, because in this story, it's now Peter. Peter's the one writing to us now in 1 Peter chapter 2. But Peter had a circumstance, a situation himself, and so he refused Peter refused to obey the Sanhedrin. In Acts chapter 4, verse number 19, the word says this. Well, let's go back. Uh, let's go back to verse 13. Acts chapter 4, let's look at verse 13. That'll set the stage for us a little bit clearer. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and it took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them. It's manifest to all. Them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. It happened. In verse 17, but that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. Now, there was an ordinance that went forth, and they instructed Peter and John that they could not speak in the name, they couldn't teach, they couldn't preach in the name of Jesus and, and that it was forbidden. But look at verse number 19. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. 
For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And so they were forbidding Peter and John to speak and to preach in the name of Jesus. And uh, they said, absolutely not. You let us out of here and we're going to get back to work. And so again, I tell you that as long as it doesn't require us to abandon our faith, and I'm going to share some, I don't know that I have time to get into it tonight, but there are some things we don't agree with. But, but for the Lord's sake, we have to keep a testimony. Now, go back to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 15 now. 1 Peter 2, verse 15. For so is the will of God that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. In other words, it's the will of God that Christians live peaceably. That's God's will. In verse 16, and I'm sure this was a precious memory for Peter, as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. I remember reading the passage of Scripture, and I'm sure Peter remembered this as well, when he's writing this and understand that it's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I'm sure that he remembered when the Lord said to him in John chapter 8 and verse number 36, if the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. And again, it's God's will that we do obey the laws of the land. In verse number 17, look at this. Honor all men. And, and I have that highlighted in my notes given to you tonight, and I think it's something worth mentioning. Perhaps you may want to do that in your Bible as well. Honor all men. And let me say this. You have to remember something. God sends the rain on the just and the unjust. So when you think about it in that context, sometimes we may wonder how in the world can God tolerate wicked people and how can God tolerate all of the evilness and wickedness and abomination that we see in this country today? How can God tolerate it? Well, keep this in mind. God's not tolerating anything. He's in control. And this world is on a head-on collision course with God. There is judgment coming. And so we have to understand that God is definitely in control. We have to remember that no one, let's look at it this way. When the scripture says honor all men, and how in the world can we honor people that are doing things that are baptized in abominations all over this land? And I will say this, regardless of who it is and what they are doing that goes against every grain in this Bible, that goes against every doctrine that we have been taught to believe, 
that goes against every ounce of our faith. Listen carefully. We have to remember this, that no one on this planet is beyond the reach of God's redemption. No one is beyond the reach of his transforming grace. That's clearly evident in the life of Saul of Tarsus. You see him on the Damascus Road, and he was a brute. He was as evil as Nero. He was monitoring the church, Christians. He loved to see them persecuted and brutalized. The Bible says that he laid his clothes at Stephen's feet when they were stoning him to death, and he took great pleasure in it. But we have to remember this. There was never a day, never a time when Saul of Tarsus was out of the reach of God. On that Damascus road, in spite of who he was and what he was doing, God reached down in love, redeeming love, and touched that man. He responded to God's grace, and his life was never the same. So when we sit back and we see all of the things that are happening in our country today, what do we do about it? First of all, we pray for these people. We pray that somehow, someday, someplace, sometime, the Holy Spirit would work in their heart and their life. We, we can sit back and we can look at what these people are doing that's affecting us as human beings, that's affecting us as a nation, and, and taking our country down the crevices of a cesspool. And we, we can sit back and say, that man deserves to die and go to hell. But we all do. The only thing that is different from us and those reprobates is the old rugged cross, the blood of Jesus. And so this, this is powerful here. I've got time to mention one more thing in the scripture here uh, because these verses, 17 and 18, is, is impacted with a lot of great thought. But look at this. Honor all men, no matter who they are. Okay, the second aspect of this, love the brotherhood. I want to stop tonight with this point. Every one of us who are brothers and sisters in Christ, and whether, whether you know people that are not in the brotherhood, they, they have not been changed, they've not been saved. The Word of God is built on love. For God so loved the world, but God commended his love towards us. This thing about love, I'm going to speak about that on Sunday a little bit. We have to love one another. We may not always agree, but the Word of God teaches us that we need to love one another. Love the brotherhood. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.